Hey, Joey. Hey, what's good, baby? What's good is, unfortunately, we do not have Steve again. It's going to be funny if we have new time listeners that are like, why is it called a Steve? There's no Steve. He's here in spirit. He's here in spirit. Well, also because I don't think he got Elden Ring yet, because that is the topic of tonight's podcast recording. And yeah, we're going to talk about this, uh, you know, this kind of low key indie game. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you know, it's, it's it's not that it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal, but we really like it. It, it really might like be it. the next Hollow Knight. It, it might be. <laughs> but Could no. be the next Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, in all seriousness, actually, that might be one good way to guarantee we won't go for two hours tonight because we're going to be like, man, <laughs> we want to play more. Like, enough talk, have a chew, and play more games. But no, the um. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we're of course going to do like maybe half an hour of trying to discuss non-spoilery stuff if we can. Maybe get into spoiler territory, but this is a weird one, right? Because there is there is a lot of stuff that's like a surprise, but at the same time, it's that kind of old school huge game where, like you remember like talking with friends where you would spoil stuff for each other. Like, did you find this thing? What? No way. Where is that? Oh, it's over here. Oh, I completely missed it. I got to go do that today after school. Like, so to an extent, I I think we'll try and do some careful, like hinting at first to see, because there's some, there like, there's one, there's one thing that both of us, you know, we're kind of like tiptoeing, like, it's like, I found this thing and it's incredible. Well, did, did it relate with this? And you were like, yes, it did. So it's like, okay, know exactly what you mean. And yeah, it's like there are, and I guess that's part of where, where, where to begin. Like, cause part it, it's of the, like those, if you know, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Right. It's uh, and that's what makes it cool. It's like, because people, people have been doing a good job of like not giving away stuff really. And even when you see, like, clips, like, people, you know, showing, like, recording themselves playing it, PS4 shares, so on and so forth, you don't have a lot of context, really, because you, you don't see how you get to an area or anything. It's normally just, like, oh, person got person got completely destroyed by something that they didn't expect. <laughs> yeah. And I've been checking, I've actually been checking the Elden Ring subreddit, which is, I've learned, because I've never been much of a Reddit user, but I have learned that Reddits exist for memes. It's just another meme mill. Um, but that's the thing, like, I've been seeing how some other people react, and the occasional post uh, mocking the people that are like, man, this game's terrible, One out, like, like zero <laughs> out of ten, like, I can't believe, like, this is why I can't trust mainstream games journalism. Um, which is funny, because it's like, I feel like any game that gets a 10 out of 10, you will have that response regardless. Uh, and I think it opens up an interesting discussion itself. But for this one, that's actually the funny thing. Like in some ways, I do sit there and I think, is this game the masterpiece it's being sold as? And sometimes I feel no. And other times I'm like, yo, yo, someone made this game. Like this game was actually... <laughs> construct like just small details even like as, as i think i i was saying to someone i forget where it might have been our uh, my discord but like ghost of tsushima has bears right and bears are intimidating in ghost of tsushima but bears are just kind of wandering around they're not doing anything bear like versus i'm wandering a, a, a forest following a golden trail of footprints to a ca- cavern and oh look 
Oh, not even look. It's like, what's the first thing I hear? The first thing I hear is bearish grunting with the sound of claws scraping on tree bark. And then I see it. And this bear is almost as big as the tree. This thing's yeah. huge. It could hey, eat the uh... tree. Like, <laughs> and so it's like that. But that's the thing. It's like just that behavior of the claws on the, the, the tree, which is something bears do. They sharpen claws on tree bark. So it's like... Just that alone helps make the world feel alive while also adding to that intimidation. Because it's like it, you're thinking immediately about its its claws. And you're like, I do not want to mess with that. So Yeah, exactly. And and that's just like that that's not even like the real stuff that really does come as a surprise. Um so it's it it is definitely one of those things that's kind of and I actually discussed with my brother earlier today, because one of the things that I've wondered about is like expectations, right? And a lot of people were very upset when they saw, oh, they still have some assets from Dark Souls 3. They have animations from Dark Souls 3. And yeah, this is still the engine and a lot of the base code that's been in all the From games, all the Dark Souls, the um, Bloodborne, like all that code is still running underneath. But... I feel like if you compare the trajectory from Demon Souls to Elden Ring and then look at Morrowind to Skyrim, like Elden Ring is the open world game that we've been like, 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 because I, I think back to high school when I first played Morrowind and I played as an Argonian. So I'm able to just swim in the water. And this is my first time with an open big RPG like like that i wasn't a pc gamer i didn't get to play daggerfall so i jump into the water i just start swimming to random places i find random things i fight random mud crabs and then i find it i see a temple in the distance i'm like oh i'm gonna go see what's in there a fire elemental is in there and it starts chasing me and i'm trying to run and somehow it's paradoxically running through water even though it's a fire elemental because it's a bethesda game but that's the thing like it it, it had that element of danger to the world exploration it had all of this stuff that never really evolved like uh oblivion looked prettier skyrim looks prettier the fallout games look prettier than well actually i don't know do this fallout games look prettier than morrowind but uh, like, i mean the AI, I mean, yeah. on a technical level, sure. <laughs> but it's like the AI and the combat never really evolved. And at the very least, with the FromSoft games, the combat was already better than anything Bethesda made. Um, but now with the open world, it's like, it's huge. It's vast. And yeah, it's so intricately put together. So... I was actually listening to um, <clears throat> to a podcast earlier uh, called the Stark Tank Podcast, starring um, uh, Derek Blackman, Tom Sweeney, and Chris Raygun. Right? Um, they were talking about um, how like the differences between open worlds, and what I liked about this one is that, uh, and this this also kind of shows why I prefer Breath of the Wild, all right? It's a world that you interact with versus a world that you that you live in, right? right? Um, because there have been plenty of games in the past where just like, it's an open world. Okay, cool. 
uh, you end up going from uh, from point A to point B, and and it, and it plays out very linearly with uh, some side quests sprinkled about. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that style of open world and and gameplay and gameplay loop and, and storytelling. There, there's nothing wrong with that. There have been amazing games in the past that have done that that uh, that I truly enjoy. Uh, Saints Row, for example, great, great example. Um, but what Breath of the Wild did is they created a world where, like, they give you all the tools, like all the basic tools that you need in the beginning, um, and then once you get off that plateau, the world is your oyster. Like, literally. Like, you, you know where the story ends, and you could go straight for it if you... if you're a risk-taker, if you're a daredevil. <laughs> um, but then you're... But at the same time, like, you can do that. The story is whatever you make it, whatever you want it to be. Uh, but the... Um, uh, the... Uh, you're you're also kind of doing a disservice to uh, to it to an extent. I mean, I, I don't you know I don't want to let me take that back because I don't want to discourage anyone from enjoying a game how they want to do it. Right? Um, there are so many things to explore. There are so many ways to traverse. There are so many ways in which you can take out enemies or sneak past them, and and so on and so forth. That like it makes it so that you're interacting with the world and everything in it rather than you just being in the world and doing stuff because, you know, the, the game and story tells you to. Uh, I'm feeling that uh, Elden Ring finds, uh, finds a bit of a middle ground there because there is a story. Um, there is, and, you know, it, it does clearly point out where, like, how to progress the story. But... Um, it also encourages you to explore. Uh, there, there are things in the distance, and you'll be like, "Oh, that looks interesting. I'm going to go over there." Um, and you can you can do that if you want to. Of course, in the very beginning of the game, that's probably not very wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're you're not like you're not very strong. So, but the the difference between say Breath of the Wild versus like uh versus say like uh skyrim or or more notoriously in my experience fallout 4 um is like when if you want to explore you're gonna you might end up in an area that you're not ready for um so what you what you end up doing is like okay well i'm getting slaughtered here by you know regular mobs so i'm just gonna come back later um and then you run the risk of like well, now it's still not fun because I'm just like one-shotting everything. <laughs> um, yeah. Breath of the Wild didn't really have that, um, and Elden Ring kind of falls in between both of them. It strikes a nice balance of like constantly progressing, but also having a risk versus reward for exploring. If you're going to explore, you can do so, but you you literally never know what's behind a corner. You do not know. I have tried to predict. I have not been able to predict. And <laughs> I adore the game for that. It is incredibly impressive how it does that. Because that's another fault on Breath of the Wild. Is that, you know, you, you find something interesting. Odds are th there's going to be a temple or something. And the reward is, is is predictable. That's not the case here. It's the shrine. Yeah, yeah. Um in a lot of ways, I agree, but I also think the interesting thing about Elden Ring is that it brings the role-playing game back to 
the open world. Like, that's the thing. We've been saying open world, open world, open world. Once upon a time ago, like, because that's the thing. It's like role-playing games are known for being big, vast worlds. They weren't an open world. Grand Theft Auto made the open world, quote-unquote, more of a other game genre thing. Like, other games started to adopt it. And now it's, like, just another element of a blurred line. Like, is this a role-playing game? Is this an action yeah. game? Is this a this or a that? Um, but with Elden Ring, it definitely has more of an old-school feel. Like, that's why Morrowind comes to mind. Because Morrowind didn't have level scaling, like uh, Oblivion did. Morrowind... Enemies were different levels in different areas, so... You could explore to your heart's content, but you could also easily find something that was threatening. And Dragon's Dogma was like this too, with a smaller world. But Dragon's Dogma was also like one of the reasons I loved that world was because when you start the game out, you're wandering this environment and it's like, oh crap, I got to hide and try and sneak by that manticore, right? And then eventually you're like, you know what? Hold on, let me prep a minute and I think I can take that manticore to eventually, all right, manticore, let's do this. Let's take it out because you just get stronger and stronger as the game progresses. Um, Elden Ring yeah. is like that. It is a role-playing game in that the world is not all the same level. You aren't ready to take. And yet there are ways to get dragged or brought to part places beyond your, your, your initial starting level. Like right from the get go, like there's stuff that speedrunners can find that will lead them to late game areas and make it all the yeah, easier to. And it doesn't, and it doesn't telegraph that at all, which is no amazing. But at the same time, they are, they are, and that's the thing where people talk about like whether it's unfair or not. There's always a, an, a way out, like there's always a way back that you can take as well. So you're temporarily trapped, but it's sort of like a caught off guard. But if you're good enough, you can, like even that lower level, you can take out enemies in the area. You can figure your way because this is what Bloodborne players do, right? There are challenges to never level up whatsoever to go for well, Bloodborne, Dark Souls, you know, all that stuff. People don't level up at all or they do like just appear naked runs where they go from start to finish without leveling up or without putting on any kind of equipment. Um, in Elden Ring, you're going to have those exact same challenges. Uh, it is possible. It's just difficult, obviously, um, but it's possible. And... It's not recommended for most players, but that's the thing is I feel like what you'll find is most players will probably hit very similar routes and paths, though what I've seen with uh, some streamers, oddly enough, is they do try and follow that objective right to Margit, uh, Margaret, Mar Margaret, Margaret, I think it is, um, Margaret, and then to uh, yeah, God after. Um and I think that's the funny thing, because I feel like that critical path, because there are already wannabe like critical analysis videos that are like the, what the tree sentinel teaches you about, you know, Elden, the world of Elden Ring. It's like, yeah, yeah, we get it. It's, yeah, the first enemy you encounter is way beyond your level. Don't try and fight everything you see. We get it. Yeah. I mean, technically, the very first enemy you encounter in the game teaches you that, considering how overleveled uh, it is. Um, but. That's the thing. It's it's it goes beyond that. Where I feel like the game, even like because the easiest, the first dungeon you can find, is actually the cat, the like those the catacombs, the golems, and everything. And those enemies, it's better to have a um, 
a bludgeoning weapon. Which class starts right. with a bludgeoning weapon? I think only the wretch, which has nothing but a club and is level one. <laughs> Uh, so yep. I, I, it is I, it is the bare bones class. It's the waste of skin or whatever. Yep. So there's only one class that starts with an appropriate level uh, weapon for that dungeon, and the boss is quite difficult. So the first dungeon I think is even like uh, uh, the starting area does what other games do not, in that it's basically saying, "Be willing to come back when you're ready." Um. Now, granted, again, if you're good enough, you could probably get through that catacomb or whatever, but there's a nearby cave that's a lot better, um, and it's closer to the first point of grace that the game wants you to take so you can speak with Melina. And that, I think, is the interesting thing, is how much you can, how far you can go without speaking with Melina, getting your horse, and getting the ability to level up. They actually... It, 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 it that again is reminiscent to me of Breath of the Wild. In that Breath of the Wild, I never found the uh, the giant Korok kid until definitely after the first Divine Beast. Um, I forget how many hours I had been playing that game before I found that Korok kid because I was like, What do I do with all these Korok seeds? What are they for? And so I was running on a limited inventory for dozens of hours of that game, um, which is one of the reasons that I kind of find it amusing how other players that find that kid and have more inventory do complain about like breaking weapons. Cause it's like, Hey, you know, like I was able to get by with only what, like four slots in my inventory. Um, so it's, I don't know that, that that's a little off topic, but this is similar where you can go a surprising long time without even being able to level up. Um, I think yes, you need you, you need Melina to level up, right? Yes. So you'll go a surprising amount of time uh, without Melina to level up, and you can go just—I don't know. It's you could go basically. You could just go surprisingly long without this stuff. But I think because of the critical path, you are more likely to get to Margit. Um, and once you fight Margit, you will be able to get access to another area with a lot of valuable things but that's just like again where it's like the openness where they're willing to let you wander too far away but it's also like guided enough that you're going to want to go this direction before you wander too far around right yeah um i mean the, the game is very smart with how it lays out the beginning like the the opening areas of the map it's it is reminiscent of the plateau in Breath of the Wild. They they took that uh, that idea, but you know they kind of hid it behind a Dark Souls veneer. Like you you thought this was going to be Dark Souls, and I mean you're you're not you're not wrong. If not you wholly think that wrong, it's be yeah. Dark Souls. But and and the, and again, they're very intelligent when they when they do this. You you open a door. And then you're like, okay, this is different. <laughs> like, if the the presentation and just the the view, the scope. After you open that door, even the manner in which you open that door is different. 
I mean, not, um, sort of. I mean, the these the souls from games they always have the very slow, creaky door opening. It's just normally. Well, no, this is one that you have to lift. Oh, there's a few of those too. You're right. You're right. But yeah, and, the, and you're like right. The first the one lift that you is ever do different. that with. Yeah, yeah, the first one that you ever do that with, and you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> that was, is um, a, that is amusing because normally, really in a, sorry about that. Normally, in a um souls like game like the first door you open is just like really loudly creaking and you don't want it to creak you don't want it to creak especially when i was first playing bloodborne i was like oh no that door is really loud but <laughs> um you're gonna alert all of those that's how it feels but i don't uh, think i don't think there's a lot of audio cues in uh the earlier from games at least i don't even think there are here it's just, or it's more general. That's the thing. Technically, the stealth is very simplified, but I think it works for the nature of this game. Because if you're not careful, then you'll get spotted anyway. Like, you can't just, like, backstab one dude, and then the guy, like, two feet away from him isn't going to notice. Um, yeah. You got you, you need some distance. Granted, when they come back and they see their body, their buddy's corpse on the ground, they're they're not going to notice. They're going to be like, "Huh, that's that's funny." Well, back to my actually patrol. no, that's that's not what I experienced. Really? Yeah. Um, there's a specific area not not too far from from the beginning of the game, honestly, um, where there are these. Uh, I, I forgot what they're called, but but you know they're, they're not knights, but they're these dudes with the with, with the red and green soldiers uh, cloth here. over their armor. Yes, um, those guys. So th there was one area where there were a bunch of them, right? Um, what happened? What happened in my scenario was that I um, I managed to backstab one of them, but that makes noise, and one of them actually heard that. They actually walked over to the corpse, and you know they 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 started patrolling and looking for me. Like they broke they broke off of their off of their path to see what could have killed them. That, and I hadn't hmm. seen that in a from software game before. But the thing is, that hmm. was the only time I've ever had that happen. I have alerted others with backstabs, but this one was like, a dude went up to the corpse and was like, like he broke off of his patrol path. Interesting. Um, yeah. I've not, not seen anything quite like that either. Maybe there because there's probably some Sekiro code going on in here as well. Hence the stealth mechanics. Because um, that's all probably running off of what Sekiro, how Sekiro ran. But the, um, and in fact, the jump button probably is too. I mean, again, this is a culmination of everything that they've done. Just fortunately, you don't have to worry about parrying and blocking like you do in Sekiro. Um, well, blocking, of course, you do want to try and do if you can get a good enough shield. But um, that's actually, yeah. Let, let's, let's jump into a little bit of, um, I guess, like, like that's actually the one thing I, I think I like the open world elements of this game the most. Which goes contrary to how I usually am. Usually, um, at some point with an open world game, I get open world fatigue. Like by the 20 to 30 hour mark, I will start being like, all right, I'm kind of just exhausted by this and I want to see the end. Uh, like Ghost of Tsushima was like that. Like Ghost of Tsushima was a good game. It was good for a AAA open world title, especially. Um, I liked the combat a lot, but when it came to the open world tasks, it's like, okay, I don't have to do it, but I feel urged to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to play all this stuff, even though 
I'm kind of tired of it. Like this world feels too big now. I was expecting to get mm-hmm. that with Elden Ring as I stepped beyond Godric and into the next zone. And it's almost like it put a sort of a reset because part of the fun of the open world, I think, is when you enter a new region, figuring out where is safe and where is where where you want to come back to later. And the website, um, the the organization, I don't even know, it's one streamer, I think, but it's sort of a group now, Fextra Life. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, Fextra Life, yeah. Yeah, they they have a map that sort of outlines recommended levels, like a recommended progression path. And it's funny to see that I sort of naturally followed that progression path. Like, I didn't see this map. I didn't really know what it said before. But as I looked at it one day and I noticed, like, okay, I'm going to stick to the west portion of the map of the second zone uh, because I'm having a bit more luck there. And that's the recommended. It's recommended you do that at these level range, at this level range. So it's kind of interesting to see where I naturally move myself towards. And that also does a gradual sort of evolution of the world. Because the first starting zone is just greenery. It's gorgeous. It's greenery. There's a bit of a swamp, but it's not really all that big. Whereas then you enter the next zone and it's like, two sheer cliffs divided by a giant swamp and you get poison in a part portion of that giant swamp. Um, so there's poison muck in part of the giant swamp. So it's, as, it's yeah, as there typically is in a, in a souls game, it's gotta be somewhere. Yep. So it's Jerks. interesting. There was a dungeon with a lot of uh poison swamp and a very, very closed arena for the boss. Um, oh boy, I can't wait to not experience that. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll stumble into it a bit. I, I like. Huh, I'll, I'll do what I did yesterday and just like accidentally stumble into it somehow. Well, I'll just say it's the Weeping Peninsula. At least I'll I'll give you that warning. Um, but the it's like the just that way that the game's environment I can tell is going to slowly change. But that's the thing. It's like the the early zone. It was like. And that's the thing, like, I decided, okay, I'm going to go around and away from the, the the tree sentinel knight on the horse. And what happens? I go far enough that I suddenly see a giant troll wandering around. And it's like, man, I just got out of the tutorial dungeon. I don't want to fight him yet. So it was a lot of sneaking around. And finally, I got to the part of, like, in the forest that leads to that cavern, that first cavern with the wolves and the first boss. Um, well, first mini boss, sub boss, whatever you want to call it. Cause that was a place to practice my stealth. The patrol units are far enough apart and yet still able to see in case you're playing foolishly. So it was a nice little stealth, um, practice round for me. I found the cavern and I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this. I fought the wolves and that boss took me to it. Yeah. The one that I told you was like, oh yeah, this is a good first boss. Um, he's not that hard. And then like you got trashed i was like okay well i didn't find it too hard <laughs> like <laughs> yep because yeah then I've, I've seen a couple other streamers have more of a problem with them but it's funny because he felt very bloodborne to me so it was not it was not a big deal it was not a problem for me to do so i don't know i mean you you were doing pretty yeah. good. yeah you, you did pretty good once you got the pattern down yeah it, um like he I, I think I died once or twice. I don't recall. Um, 
Yeah. You, you were there for that. Yeah, I died uh, like so once. Like, you didn't die that many it, times. It, so. it, yeah, it, it wasn't too bad. Um, for the record, I am playing as uh, as a vagabond. Um, That's right. That's the sword and board. Uh, yeah, the sword and board. It's uh, it, it seemed like a tried and true good way to start. Um, I already have some friends that made new characters, <laughs> and and they haven't even beaten the game yet. And I'm like, dude, that's, I've that's been sick, tempted. though. That... I've been tempted to try. Um, Same. That's the funny thing, though, because I, I went with Warrior, uh, who starts out basically two-handing uh, katanas, or scimitars, rather. And that worked quite well in the earlier portions of the game. But as I progress, I'm I'm sword and boarding, too. I actually am using a shield, but I'm keeping my armor to the medium as best as I can. Um because I want that dodge roll. I don't want the fatty roll. Um, yeah, that's that was the problem I first encountered with the Vagabond. Is, is like, from your, ba- from your base equipment load, you're fat rolling. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, this- <laughs> Why are you doing this to me so early? Come on. I feel like they kind of... I, um, I can't help but wonder if they want you to f- immediately feel the disadvantage of going with a character. Because that's the thing, like... Instead of being the, here's the beginner's character class, it's the, here's the sacrifice of trying to overly protect yourself. Um, yeah. Or maybe it's just, they maybe they just think Sword and Board is a good, with the, all the armor, is a good beginner way to approach the game. Even though there's so many enemies that break right through the shield. So, I don't know, it's... Right. It's interesting in that regard, but it's, I, 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 I want to try, I, I do want to try some of the other classes and see how they go because my issue as well is I'm, my character is too dumb for magic and I feel like I am missing out by not being able to use magic and being a pure melee build. Uh, yeah, I, I do feel that because <clears throat> I will, I will go out of my way for something and I'll get like, oh, oh, it's a, it's a sorcery. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> yeah like even like the, um, the sorcery weapon arts and stuff like that i can't really do um yeah but you know that's that might be what new game plus is for if if this is to be in, in the pattern of from software games new game plus is normally where um you can stray from the uh uh the, the path of, of the of the first of the original playthrough that's um I'd probably in dark souls create- 3 I'd probably just do a new yeah. character because, like Bloodborne, even because everything is increased in difficulty uh, with the new game plus, like everything scales right. upward. Right, which which can be fun in, in its own right, but like with my experience in Dark Souls three, because um, I, I I made the mistake of choosing a pyromancer in like as, as a beginner to the Souls franchises at the, to the Souls franchise at that point, pyromancer was uh, in over my head. Um, I had to manage health, magic, and stamina every time I leveled up. Um, and so that that ended up making my character uh, very vulnerable in the beginning. <clears throat> um, had, to, had to pop a lot of embers and deal with a lot <laughs> of invaders, all because I just wanted to live longer. Um, but New Game Plus and New Game Plus 2 come around, and now I'm, I'm a, like, I'm a dual-wielding, heavily armored pyromancer. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like, and and that that is super fun in its own right, you know. Um, but again, that's like with Elden Ring having the scope that it has, you're gonna it's gonna take a long time until you get to that point. 
and uh and frankly like having to start over with new game plus not really ideal um because that there is there is a ton to see in the world i'm sure that after you beat the game you'll just be like all right cool i i beat the final boss now let's let's see if i can let's see if i can destroy some other some other things and find some cool stuff it probably, maybe even do pvp it probably um, would i won't do pvp because that's weird yeah pvp is weird it probably would make more sense to have a sort of you beat the game but now you can continue roaming the world unless beating the game is a big you know status quo shattering event which it probably is so at the yeah know. it might save like just before that like just before the fight and like okay this is the point of no return so the next time you save you're gonna be here yeah, but they do auto saves unless you're allowed to do a separate save for after you beat the game. Then uh, a separate save. For they that. might, but the um or be right right outside the boss room. Who knows? Maybe, but the um I I think one I'm definitely not there. I guess an additional thing I want to touch on, I guess, is because again, like when it came to the open world, one of the reasons that I like the open world is because it also feels. Like if, if this is part one of those things has been contentious as well, right? Because there are some people that consider it like if, leading up to release, they were worried the game was going to be too easy, um, too quote unquote easy, you know. Considering we're talking about Souls players here, and then you also <laughs> had um, you had a level of concern that about all these different things, and even now there are some people complaining that certain things make the game too easy. And I think as someone that's not great at an action game like this, but is still better than average, I can't agree with that, though it does help mitigate some of the more the greater sources of frustration. Um, being able to restore things like flasks by defeating group of enemies, like You'd be surprised how men like how 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 long you keep going in the open world despite having several like difficult encounters. Like I've gone from using nearly all of my flasks in an overworld boss encounter to killing a couple groups of mooks and having my flasks all back. And I don't have to take a rest at a bonfire. It's almost like you completely reset yourself back to having rested at a bonfire by being able to take advantage of this stuff. And I think that's better for an open world game because it keeps you exploring and it gives you yeah. the willingness to take a risk. Um, and you're not constantly... It also allows you to systematically figure out how you're going to go about things too. Because like, yes. you, you'd be like, okay, there's this amount of enemies in a group. If I take them all out, I get to restore a flask. I see a group over there. I take them out. I restore a flask. Those guys are, are equipped in a way that I'm, you know, that I'm not really used to. Uh, or like they have a big guy along with them. I probably shouldn't mess with them just to gain a flask because I'll probably have to use one or two of them. Yeah. So and it's I'm, it's really smart in that regard. And it also helps like because I, I decided even though I'm a melee build, so I don't use a lot of magic, I swapped one of my flasks is a sorcery flask so that if I'm on the overworld and I summon uh, spirits to help, I can then chug a flask and summon more again if I come across another area where I want their assistance. Because that's happened several times. And before, when I only had a few flasks, it's like, oh, I don't want to sacrifice one of them for a magic flask that's not going to be much use. But now, 
I can allocate that a bit better. And it's, and again, like the, the spirit friends themselves are something that people were worried were going to make things too easy. And yes and no, because they really do help draw aggro, but they don't yeah. do a ton of damage. Um, unless you're able to really level them up in like the earlier area before um, you get to fight some of the bosses. Because like even now, the way I've got them leveled up and I've yet to come across a catacomb with enough to level them up beyond three. Um, spirits will be a good distraction. They'll help uh, chip away even at weaker enemies. But effectively, they're more of a decoy and you still need to really get in there and fight that boss. And a lot of times, depending on the boss, they'll die halfway through the battle, if not more. Like when I fought, yeah. when I fought Godric, my strategy had to be get through the first half without them, summon them at the beginning of the second half and be ready for them to die before he does. And I still managed, right. I did manage to beat him after uh, a number of attempts, but it took learning that pattern. And also actually it's funny because I, I did. I reached this point after trying to play a bunch of Bloodborne on New Game Plus. Summoning a summoning even an AI, summoning an AI co-op partner just increases the amount of health that boss has. And sure. so it's like you can, you'll likely wind up in a position where you now have to do half the fight where he's got double health and you're alone. So that's one thing where I'd like the spirits are a better assist in that they don't increase his health. They don't increase the boss health, but again, like they do less damage than a co-op partner would, and they can't heal themselves like a co-op partner can even the AI co-op partners. Um, so like, yeah, there's, um, there, there's definitely a lot to consider when it comes to what kind of help you're going to get. Right. Yeah. You and, know, and, um, Sorry, I'm, I'm just trying to emphasize the, the spirits are not like, oh, now they can just play the game for me. No, it's like you've got to be careful with how you summon them. And then there are some enemies where it's like you basically you're just trying to get an edge on the enemy. So you send them out to die. And that's how it was. Yeah. when I ended up having to fight a dragon without intending to. And I summoned them and got myself a lead on da dealing damage to the to the dragon while they all burned in flames. And the, the spirits just burned in flames and died. And it's like, well, thanks for distracting him for a little while. It kept me safe. Yeah, that's exactly what, what happened to me a couple times. <clears throat> you know, like when I fought Godric, uh, the, the, the spirits were needed. They were necessary. And, you know... I had literally a pixel of health left, just a single pixel of health. Um, but when I beat Godric, it was, it felt triumphant. <laughs> that is nice. Yeah. He, yeah. He's, he's um, a rough one. I do love. Yeah. He's a rough one to start with. Actually, what it's funny. Cause I was watching an anime girl play Elden Ring and learned that you can dodge certain attacks by jumping. One of them being his, yep quake attack and it's like i don't believe i never thought of that because half the time it feels like jumping doesn't help you it hinders you when it comes to doing it in the middle of combat like i will jump at an enemy and then they'll like be perfectly swinging upwards and it just send me back on my button it's like oh well 
that didn't work. Uh, just going to do my roll into the boss. Just going to roll into him as usual. And there we go. Um, or the block counter helps. The block counter helps, but you can screw yourself if you're not careful with it. That's another thing people were worried about. They're like, it's like, oh, you mean you don't even have to parry anymore? You can do blah, blah, blah. And no, because if you, if you just expect to take all of their swords, like you will run out of fatigue. You like, even if you have a 100% yes. blocking, da uh, blocking damage shield, you will run out of like you, you will run out of your fatigue and you will be wide open because they will swing like five or six times. And yet at the same time, if you do happen to take the first hit and use your, uh, block counter, they're not getting knocked down or flinched most of the time. So they'll just keep going with their follow-up attack. And next thing you're floored anyway. So it yep. still requires that careful observance of the enemy patterns, understanding their attacks and learning when your opening is. Right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's correct. You know, um, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> All right. Oh man, this, this game, this game is just fucking glorious. Um, Chris, however, I hate to do this to you though, but like I, because I just had like some gross ass, well not really gross, but like curry sauce, and unfortunately, like I'm actually feeling kind of ill. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta end the um, podcast prematurely. Yeah, uh, I think that was my mistake of having it with a beer as well, and I'm regretting both. Um, right. So like my my stomach is absolutely like torn to shreds right now. Um, that's I fine. think this is what I get for like, eating healthy most of the week. And then this happens. That's fine. You were, you were in a rush. Um, all right. So uh, first I want to say uh, yes, Basking, you did arrive uh, before the last three minutes and made up. A <laughs> uh, you did. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening to the podcast and no Elden Ring for poor people like you. Dark souls Two for the win. I, that's the one that a lot of people don't like, but um no, it's like when yeah, it's, been, it's been coming back. There's some people talking positive, positively about it as of late. As of late, so I'm just wondering if it was just if it just if it was the hype machine, and then people ret like retrospectively are able to go back and just kind of enjoy it now. It's it's probably a mixture of both. Like because Dark Souls Two at the time is like we wanted a sequel and we got this, but now there's Bloodborne, there's Dark Souls Three, there's Sekiro. Your people are probably able to yeah. go back and uh, appreciate it better. Um, yeah. but no, we'll, we'll undoubtedly come back. I think, uh, Steve mentioned he might be a little, he might have a little bit of FOMO from, uh, everyone else enjoying Elden Ring. So he might give it a try. <laughs> and if he does, then it'll be interesting for him to come back and, uh, to see how he feels. But there's plenty more we could, this will not be the last podcast on Elden Ring. We'll talk about no, it. No, because we haven't finished the game yet. Yeah. We, he, he, I'm like 35 hours in at this point and it's like, so much left this is going to be a long one um yeah <laughs> but we'll see we'll see it and we'll see if i do hit that open world fatigue but all right and uh made up from for me says ds2 was more different from ds1 than i think people expected actually a lot of its ideas got developed into bloodborne and bloodborne i do love bloodborne um i do too i i absolutely adore that game i hope it does get a pc port i'll admit but chances are unlikely yeah all right, uh, that's a short episode this week, I guess. But um, for thank once, you, thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for joining. Jo it turns out all you need is a digestive emergency. 
Um, but, or I, I hope that's 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 all it is. <laughs> okay. Um, but no. Uh, have a good night, Joey. Thanks for joining, and thank you guys. And hopefully, um, maybe not next week, but the week after, we'll have to see um, when the next episode is. Because who knows how many more hours of Elden Ring we'll have gotten into. Um, yeah. Well, I'm I'm expecting a lot on my end. Oh yeah, a lot more. Oh yeah. All right, everybody, have a good night. Take care, everyone. Bye.